Let's talk about Mile High Shooting. If you go to milehighshooting.com and order online right now, anything you get is 5% off. Just sign up, click the button, and you're done. Go to the website, and you're going to see right off the bat Zeiss LRP S5. I've been playing with my S5, and I like it. And I also like the S3. They are kicking ass. We're going to be talking about those guys soon. But other things they carry... Well, they only carry good stuff. So they've got AI rifles, AI mags, AI barrels, AI accessories, spur mounts, spur rings. They've got really right stuff, Lapua, Night Force. You can get an ATX outfitted the way that you want it to. And then they've got boatloads of ammunition. They've got boatloads of bullets and powders, as well as every other thing that you could possibly imagine for long-range shooting. I think that they are the ultimate one-stop shop for anybody that listens to this podcast. So hit them up, tell them that the Straight Dope sent you, and you won't be disappointed. They're my local gun shop. They support matches. They support shooters. They're good people, and they can ship all over the country. So whatever it is that you need, they can provide it. Check them out. Get back to the range. So it's it's cool it's cool to be able to shoot a small group on paper on a bench, but but that doesn't mean much until you can do it under stress and and, and a variety of things. And so being able to say that, that you guys have trained under stress, um, and done some research as to what stress um, can get in the way of of some of these performance skills, I think that would be pretty cool to hear about. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, my background a little bit as uh, instructor at fifth group for the last few years, uh, we work pretty closely with our sports psychologist. He sees hundreds and hundreds of um, some of the best shooters uh, in the country at fifth group um, annually through different schools, our urban combat, our sniper school. So he knows um, he knows what gets people to tick and he's constantly analyzing um, different ways to put us in as as closely related to combat as possible it's impossible to truly replicate combat but finding different stressors um whether it be time physical mental uh especially mental acuity um and then really blending all of those together so it's getting the the shooter to be able to focus on the task at hand while still receiving information and still being able to put accurate rounds on target downrange um so between Adam, myself, and Seth, we just try to develop that as best as possible out there. Um, and Adam is a creative genius when it comes to finding new methods as well uh, to get under people's skin. Um, he's always been good at that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I met kinda, Adam. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was just kind of the mindset behind what we what we wanted to offer out at uh, out at Legion. So there's, there's, I met Adam at, at a field match and then continue to see him at field matches that are, that are kind of central, you know, central U.S. Uh, there's a series of matches run by Competition Dynamics and they, they have a variety of cool, stressful and, and different events. And I think that, that um, you know, when, when I heard about your match, 
through Adam, I got excited because it seems like the variety of events seem, it seems like there's, there's fewer and fewer. And, and rather than have those types of events go extinct, it's cool to hear about people bringing in their flavor of, of testing shooters abilities to do things outside of a sterilized, sterilized environment. And, and it sounds like it, it's in a unique place. Can, can you, uh, this one was held, um, at, uh, 51 Delta range in Fort Campbell. Can you, can you describe the facilities there? So yeah. People so kind of get an idea of what it would, what, what it looked like overall. Absolutely. Um, it's, um, it's the home of, uh, fifth groups, uh, main training compound that we utilize. So out there, there's a, a bunkhouse, um, where generally full companies or teams can go out and do planning and you can work throughout, uh, a series of ranges so it goes from alpha through golf um but for this competition we primarily used our flat range which is alpha um it's your standard uh 50 meter flat line for pistol carbine training but it also has a field behind it where it reaches out to about 350 meters um and that's got a few different structures on it um a small little uh, house that all faces out downrange so it's got different portholes we used it for loophole shooting um, different height windows to shoot pistols out of all different kinds of stuff that you might see in a house and then a regular awning and then some plate racks and a bunch of steel. Then, uh, the next range down that we utilized a good bit was 51 Delta. And that's what we primarily use for, uh, the special forces snipers course that we have out there. And that's got a four story tower. Um, it's got multiple different types of roofs, uh, that hang off the, the left side of it so it's got shingled roof metal roof clay roof um, and then your standard flat concrete roof up top and bunch of doors and windows that open up to downrange um, it just it lets you vary whatever type of shooting position you want um, out of the tower and then just your a giant number of uh, different types of barricades tires tank traps um, got rocks that we could throw out there you name it handmade barriers vtax whatever you could throw out at a at a range to make um people better off of alternate positions we try to let the students see as much as they possibly can out there um as much as you could try to replicate what you might run into overseas if that makes sense yeah hey i'm gonna stop you there for a sec because uh you know we don't know each other but but i'm obsessed with fundamentals and the shooter induced errors based on position. And so it sounds to me like, like what you just described is kind of a amazing workshop for exploiting fundamental point of impact shifts that the shooter induces. And, Absolutely. and, um, so you, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you guys wouldn't have different types of roofs and constructions and loopholes if you didn't know that already. So, with, you know, without going into too much detail, what, what are some of the things that you've seen with, with shooter, but also um, environmental induced point of impact shifts that led you to want to have different types of roof angles, uh, roof building material and, and, um, and different construction components to that, to that tower. Yeah, I'd say for the uh, 
for learning your point of impact shifts, giving people as, as many different types of positions to shoot off. We'll work at 100 meters, really, and just do simple grouping to get people comfortable with, okay, when I'm in X position, this is where I normally strike. When I'm in this position, this is where I normally strike. And then as far as the reason we have, they constructed um, kind of the, the facility out there is just because you don't know what you're going to run into overseas. Like you're, we try to give you as much as possible to uh, try to replicate, but really, unless you, uh, unless you're there, you just kind of run into a position, find what you got and, and build it. So a lot of our course is tailored to finding whatever's usable in a room, building whatever position you can and going with it. But with the fundamental background of working point of impact shift. So, you know, once you get into a position or you're working off of a tripod or wherever else, where those impacts are going to actually strike the target. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important. You know, I think, uh, you know, without, without beating a dead horse for too long, the, um, you know, out here, we see a lot of people coming in for hunting season and, and obviously it's, it's much different than, than working with a rifle for a living, but nevertheless, hunters come here, they buy rifles, they bring it, they zero it on a bench, and then they expect to go up into the mountains and have that same level of success. Um, Cameo, the facility here in Colorado was built by the state in order to try to encourage hunters to not um, shoot off a bench <laughs> because yeah. they wanted to try to replicate the the hunting terrain and scenarios. But, but I still think there's a huge misunderstanding by a lot of precision or long, longer range rifle shooters uh, that, that, you know, their, their rifle groups well and it shoots good on a bench and that, that, so that, that's the way it's going to, that's the way it's going to work no matter what. <laughs> and, and, um, and then a lot of other competitions seem to be streamlining to a predictable format. And, and the problem is, uh, life's not predictable. So it's good to know how something works as a baseline, but then to prepare for life, whatever that's going to be, that unpredictable nature requires a little bit more versatility. So, so you guys have the point of impact induced environmental shooter stress there, but then um, you guys included the mental, physical, auditory, and other stressors that yes, sir. you're well aware of as being major influences on point of impact shift, hitting a target, and, but, but more than that, just decision-making. And so um, kind of w- what were some of the themes that you wanted to make sure were a part of, a part of the match to make sure that, that, that people were being tested on their ability to see through or past or solve, solve a problem. Yeah. Um, one of the, the overall format that me and Adam talked about going into it was a constant trying to not slowing everything down. We wanted people to always be time conscious. So that's why we formatted the match in time plus penalties, which you don't see too much of. Um, as far as field matches go, I don't know of any really time plus penalties. I know QP does it um, in a couple other places, but um, as far as like a, a big competitive field match, uh, I think this is probably the only one that does it that way. But it's always keeping your, like there's a time hack for every stage. 
<clears throat> but it behooves you to definitely finish well before that time hack, knowing that you're being compared against everybody else in the field just based off of time. Um, so that's just like a baseline stressor that's out throughout the entire thing. So no matter what, everybody's getting that. And they're also trying to analyze a stage brief. So our stage briefs are less than uh, you have four targets. They're orange in this area. Ranges are from this to this. It is very vague. We tried to build a scenario for everything so people would have to pull out the information that's needed and separate it from mostly the jokes and jackassery that we filled in the rest of the uh, stage briefs with. <laughs> um, and sift through, find out what's important, come up with a good game plan, and then communication and teamwork. If they can execute all of that while going through multiple stressors that are induced. Now, that's for us, uh, for most of the mill guys that compete in it, they're used to having to block out stressors. So whether that's people yelling at you, whether that's music, whether that's some captain giving you false information or uh, bad intel from your partner force or you name it, you're having to kind of sift through all of that stuff going on while you're shooting. So uh, replicating that for a lot of the mill guys, it wasn't too bad of a stressor, but for big time competitive shooters that are, this was totally new for them. That was, uh, it was definitely fun to watch <laughs> some of the best shooters <laughs> in the world get extremely flustered um, with the amount of stressors getting thrown at them. If, if I could back up a sec, so this thing all uh, sort of came about last September. Matt asked me to come out as a uh, a competitor and run a few stages for his sniper committee. And in doing so, I you know I had this notion: okay, I'm going to uh, bring a certain you know competitive agenda, you know, or you know from a targetry standpoint. And, I, and at the same point, I wanted to stress these guys out just a little bit to ensure that they know the basics, they know the fundamentals of marksmanship and, and just kind of bring a, a twist to it. And Matt put me in contact with their sports psychologist uh, who, who they work with to help refine that stress inoculation that the SF guys are known for. So I had this like idea of, okay, you know, you, you put the field match targetry in a typical field match stage and you, you know, uh, squirt the guys with squirt guns or you play loud music or battle sounds and, and things of that nature. And, and Seth's like, no, 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 they're, they're going to shrug that off. Here's how you do it. So he kind of like gave me the, uh, well, almost a cheat code for how to stress these guys out. And it was almost purely mental with abruptly changing information, uh, deliberately false information, uh, a lot of cognitive overloads to a lot of, you know, overly detailed or, or junk information that they've got to mentally process and sift through along with having the constant, um, you know, stopwatch in the background, just, just kind of clicking away. So we engineered um, a variety of stages this last training. Um, this is back in September that had a ton of confusion and uncertainty engineered in it because that is really what flusters uh, really anybody. And Matt and I were talking, you know, Hey, let, let's, let's apply this to uh, uh, a larger match for charity and invite some uh, both SF teams and civil, like some of the, the uh, you know, highest level civilian shooters that we know. And, and we did exactly that. We had, very much a similar format. It was a time plus penalties, stress shoot based format with all these things that we, you know, collaborated on the stages and whatnot and the descriptions and, 
man, it was a, it was a hit of something completely different than any other field match that I've been to just with all the curveballs that are being thrown at you, uh, which by the way, were a lot of fun, <laughs> you yeah. know, when, when you're shooting to, you know, Metallica blaring in the background or just other, just distractions, uh, including the, the humorous elements that we injected in there just because, you know, humor is a, uh, a distraction in and of itself. So that's, that's sort of how this thing is different and how it came about, uh, compared to other field matches. Right. Right. I mean, I got involved in shooting period because of, of my friends, my friends in that community wanted me to, to be their partners for field matches because of my field skills. Uh, not my shooting. So they trained me up and taught me how to shoot and brought me into field matches. Um, so, so I, I, I kind of, I feel like I understand the, the background and the motivation and the intention only because, because, because that, that's the community that brought me to shooting period. And it, they brought me in through the sniper adventure challenge. So nice. Like we, you and I have met, um, also, uh, Competition Dynamics runs the Sniper Adventure Challenge, which is a, a tough field match, um, and and it has some shooting in it, but it also has a lot of that other stuff involved. And then they have other events like the Burst Team Challenge, which is coming up in about a month. How does the time and penalty stuff compare to how they score Burst? Or, or Adam, w- would you describe the Burst Team Challenge? Because last year you did take first place, so like you have a good understanding of of that match and uh, a high ability to perform and um and and don't say everybody else sucked because i got second place and i feel like we tried no. really hard um yeah you, you so, so so how does um how, how would a uh, describe first describe burris to me and then describe your match again to a shooter that has no idea what either is so they could understand kind of why would I want to go to a match like this if if I like to shoot does that make sense that's a hard question to answer but yeah so it's it's sort of a complex uh question I'll try to give a succinct answer but I I would I would describe uh first of all the competition dynamics matches are field matches so there's no you know, uh, plainly obvious white targets, everything you've got to, you know, uh, do the classic fine range engage and the Burris optics team challenge is different because it's the fine range engage format coupled with a, a physical, you know, uh, time plus points sort of a, a format. So the, the whole course, like one, one of the courses is four stages. That is a mile to, I don't know, maybe two mile and eh, maybe not even two miles, probably a mile and a half, something like that, uh, over the course of, uh, a, a pretty hilly terrain in Wyoming. And it's a, like, it's a physical butt kicker and basically you have an hour to complete these four stages. And you can take as long as you want on, on the stage, but you got to make it up and running to the next stage. So it's eight targets per stage. Uh, carbine has to shoot four of them. Rifle target engages all eight or rifle shooter rather engages all eight. And, and you do that, you know, four times in a row while, you know, running <laughs> mile and a half or so. Uh, and you got to do it under an hour and you, you could take, you know, five to 10 to 12 minutes uh, on each stage. I mean, it's that difficult finding these dang targets, uh, building a shooting position and, and shooting them. So it's, 
it's very stressful from a physical standpoint, but the format is consistent from stage to stage in that you've got eight targets uh, and, and you've got to find them. You've got to you know, kind of figure it out. Uh, so that's the format of, of Burst Optics Team Challenge, which, by the way, is so fun. And the, the format that we have at um, you know, our match is uh, different from the standpoint of the, the stressors are different. There's only a little bit of physical exertion, and it's only just to get your heart rate up so you're not um, you know, fresh. When you're approaching the stage, you'll, you'll like carry a, a dummy, Randy, the 200-pound dummy. You'll drag him for uh, 100 yards or something like that or, or go up several flights of stairs to get your shooting position so your heart rate's kind of up. So that's one stressor. Uh, and then you've got to sift through the minutia of your stage brief and like figure out, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. And then, you know, the information may abruptly change as you get on stage or you, you know, we, we've deliberately injected some false information into things. So like the, the stressors that we had at our match was uh, largely mental uh, in nature. So it, yeah, just kind of a different format um, in terms of the stressors and, and trying to, Compare it to uh, the Botsy or Burris Optics Team Challenges um, is, is sort of a, the closest or nearest competition or the, the closest match that I can think of um, for field matches. Gotcha. I think one of the questions I get a lot with people looking at field matches and then they see that I've done well at, at a lot of the CD matches and they say like, well, how fit do I have to be? And I think that's a fear that some people have that because you say, oh, well, this is a stressor that they think they're going to do a 12 mile ruck march or, you know, PT test or, or something that that's more like um, sniper adventure challenge or mammoth. And, mm -hmm. and, and my interpretation of, of what I know about your match is that those stressors were not like that. And so, so, um, so could, could like, let's say somebody's listening and, and they shoot, they, they want to compete. They're interested in diverse stuff, but they also don't want to be Ironman. Um, what types of physical things could they use as a baseline to know like, okay, I get it. Like I could do this other than dragging the rescue Randy a hundred yards or something like that. So, so you're trying to stress physiological response, but then after that, it's not an athletic test, right? What right. The parameters. Well, yeah, like so compared to Mammoth, not even on the same spectrum in terms of this, the overall physical exertion, you you don't have to be fit to have competed at Mar Match. However, and it's a big however, is like being fit helps you. You know, it helps you uh, in a number of ways, you know, because you're going to have to do, you're always going to have to do some level of physical exertion, but it's pretty minor. You know, it could be as short as uh, a 30 second burst of carrying a heavy object from point A to point B. And that's it. Or, or it could be uh, climbing several uh, sets of stairs uh, while you're, you know, while the stopwatch is ticking. So that's it. But yes, being, being fit absolutely helps you, but it's not a prerequisite and it's not a, you know, it's not, it's not one of those death march type of matches like, uh, like mammoth. You don't have to be your physical best. However, most of the guys or I would say half of the teams that competed were, SF guys, you know, kind of like Matt that were absolutely, you know, jacked and <laughs> very much, you know, uh, in the category of uh, semi-pro athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, right. I, I mean, being fit helps essentially with, with all of life and, and dealing with 
dealing with stuff. But I, I do think some people panic when they're like, well, I like to shoot and I'm interested in these matches, but how fit do I really have to be? And, and my answer is usually, you know, like oh, shit, if I know, like, <laughs> you know, can, yeah, can not you, really. I mean, <laughs> can, you know, you just have to do what they ask you. And, and <laughs> you know, that it, you, you either have to be really stubborn or really fit or a combination of both, but, but either way, you, you know, you could, you could probably get through most of this stuff. Um, for sure. Why would, it so, so, so to back up a little bit and, and kind of be a little maybe redundant, uh, at least to you guys, what, you know, what, why is, why are matches like this important for somebody that likes to shoot? Um, I, I'll go real quick, Adam. I got two yeah. reasons for that. Um, first, the, the overall cause of this match, um, every dime, went to uh, the Special Forces Association Chapter 38, uh, which directly supports uh, fifth group families and gold star families. Um, so I think that was that was one thing that definitely brought in the type of crowd. Uh, a lot of the sponsors kind of got behind the cause and, um, you know, just the overall purpose and intent for the match to raise as much as possible um, to give back, especially right now they're doing their gold star ceremony. So they're able to give back to a lot of families and that was, you know, every single cent from the match went to them. So that was, that was, that's definitely one reason if anybody wants to have a good time, go shooting and at the same time, give to a great cause. You get to do both of that. Um, and second, I'd say was the overall design was, um, we tried to build it for as much camaraderie as possible. So, um, the, you moved as a group, so instead of just going one team at a time, finish all your stuff, go to your car, go to your hotel room, go drink four beers, wake up and do it the next day, um, when you're pretty much just hanging out with the, the couple of guys you went down there with, we kind of force people, similar to Mammoth, where you're moving together as a squad the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, we, we paired up at least a minimum of one group of SF dudes per squad so that, you know, different guys, different communities of people could kind of cross talk different guys from the industry mix in with some really good prs shooters mix in with some sf guys so everybody's just kind of sharing life experience hey how'd you attack that stage hey we thought of this we did that you know so everybody's kind of learning from each other as they go just trying to grow the sport as best as possible and um you know and afterwards every night we had a or the nights out there we had an event where everybody could come together um food truck tacos at a distillery um you know at the end of the match, hanging out, having beer, everybody just, just kind of the camaraderie of the match, just getting, you know, men and women to most men, uh, to just hang out together and talk about, talk about the sport and where it's going next and what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, that kind of stuff. That kind of set it apart nice. for most people. Mm -hmm. So you, you guys kind of handpicked the folks that, that showed up and I, and I, I got the impression anyway, that, that you want to keep it, a match that involves a certain type of selection and 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 so kind of explain like at least what your hopes are for the next iteration in terms of maintaining kind of the caliber the standard and the mission rather than just opening it up and make it as huge as possible because that's got to be hard to, to if you're trying to raise money you want more people there but you also want to keep a standard a standard and, and so how are you guys going to do that for the future? That, that question came up. We did a, an after action. I uh, invited a bunch of teams to hang back and, and just talk through some of these things. And that was the biggest uh, question mark is, you know, 
because there was insane demand um and we had a waiting list going into this thing and like okay do we open it up and, and scale this up to um you know 60 70 80 100 teams or um you know, do we, do we keep it small and, and raise money and awareness uh, in other ways? And, and I think the resounding consensus as, as a group and, and with Matt and I is that we want to keep it pretty small and intimate and invite, you know, real high level guys on both the military and uh, the civilian side, and then amp up uh, the sort of the special sauce of the match, amp up the, the stressors, make things a little spicier, not necessarily with targetry, but just, you know, with the, the things that are required of the competitors. So we want to keep it small and intimate um, and, and sort of, you know, invite a higher caliber of, uh, of competitor. So I, th- I think gotcha. next year we're going to limit it to thir- 30 to 35 teams, which is really difficult. And, and I don't know how we're going to do that yet. We have, you know, we have got to thread that needle, but I'm confident we can. And we just want to ensure that we're not putting on, the same old, you know, static sort of boring match. Like we, we want to really stretch as match directors mentally for this thing and, and sort of make this a, uh, a pretty big feather in our cap. Um, and, and for the community too, you know, we, we want this to be something that people aspire to do. Uh, that's, that's significantly different, significantly harder and just a very interesting match while having, the the camaraderie of going to a distillery, you know, knocking back a, a couple of vitamin waters and, and talking smack with some like-minded people. Right. Right. I think that, that, that for, you know, especially like speaking from a competitor standpoint that, that likes stuff like this, it gives you something to train for annually. And rather than going to a bunch of matches that are just the same, you can kind of spend the year, planning and growing skill sets and trying to, to see if you come back next year. And, and I, I think that's what's special about the competition dynamics matches is you kind of know each type. And if you want to do it, you know, you know what, what skill sets you need to raise. And so the idea that you've got this kind of exclusive match that tests a variety of things and that there's a group of people that you're excited to see that you might not see until that match annually, uh, that, that that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it yeah. can be frustrating a little bit because you don't want to wait a year, but it also gives you a carrot and something to look forward to in addition to all of, of life's other, other responsibilities. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Do you guys, do you guys have a website that, that people could go to and, and find out more information? We do. It's uh, Le- uh legion team sniper challenge.com is our, is our website. You mentioned, you know, kind of the annual nature of this match and and based on the feedback that we've had thus far and and sort of the interest that we're sensing with long range guys, I think there's, there's a lot of interest in, in a more consistent or higher volume match or or more, more matches like this. Uh, So we're, we're kicking around doing a series of some sort or making these like quarterly or more, uh, events around the country and, um, you know, opening it up, um, to everybody. Uh, we, we, we don't really know how yet and we're, we're sort of in the infancy and in, in doing all that, but like I said, based on, uh, the feedback on this thing and, and just, you know, um, it being so different than most other matches out there. Uh, I don't know. I could, I could see us doing that. That's awesome. 
it's hard with, with, with guys who work, uh, in law enforcement and the military with their, with their rotation cycles to say like, all right, what we're going to do is correlate. Like shit. Well, half the guys are going to be gone. Half the guys, you know, won't be here. They're, they're, uh, you know, I think that when I, the, the guys I shoot with, you know, that, that tends to be the case. Hey, what are you doing in two months? Like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so, um, getting used to that and trying to make something predict that's gotta be, that's gotta be a little bit tough, but, um, mm-hmm. but shit, man, I, I was really bummed out uh, that I, that I couldn't make it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to, to, to participate in that kind of stuff. I usually don't have like fear of missing out cause there's, there's always stuff to, to do, but, but, but there, there's always that feeling, shit, man, this sucks. I yeah. gotta make sure that I heal appropriately so that. It, it's not prolonged more than the four months that I have to fucking sit around and, and uh, surf Instagram and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> hey, for so, sure. You, yeah. you guys, you, you guys used um, some of those, some of the movers that are, that are starting to kind of creep out into the larger competition world. And I know, um, isn't it, uh, if I, I might be wrong, but, but isn't like, like, I, I know that, that, that John Cuckler and, and his partner, they do um, CD matches and stuff and, and are involved with Mammoth and also um, have, have come out of your guys' community. Uh, they're involved with those, those movers as well, right? Um, you, can you describe why these robotic movers are useful and good to train on versus the static linear three mile an hour track yeah, movers absolutely um we started training on um uh, movers like actual robot movers uh, a few years ago um in the service um at least uh used sock did and the verse like the way they move it's not timed there they can change speed so you can have one guy moving at two miles an hour you can have another guy moving at five miles an hour hauling down a road so um it just as far as like your realistic movers go and not in a straight line, you know, they're just a, they can pattern them however they want. They can zigzag, move at an angle. So, um, it makes your lead based training just totally different. Um, working with guys who need to know how to shoot movers really well. So bringing, bringing out the company that we brought out was train shot. Um, and they're, they're young, but they, they've got some really cool stuff coming out. So we were able to utilize them on the first day. And, um, yeah, man, they just had, you know, a few different targets out there moving at different speeds and everybody loves shooting robots. It turns out it is <laughs> like ingrained in human DNA. Uh, yeah, they're as far as realistic, as, as close to realistic, you know, human size moving targets as possible. And they're, they're a blast to shoot. Heck yeah. Well, I, I love that idea that, that, you know, if, if first of all, like most, most things in the world that you're going to shoot at are, they move oh, yeah. and, uh, or they can move. And then, um, you know, that, then, then learning about that on a, on a track that goes perpendicular to you is, is a cool kind of like training wheel. But then, um, then taking that next step to three dimensions, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like playing catch and then, and then trying to go play baseball is, is a different animal. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So, um, 
So I, I like that that's coming out. They're they're expensive and they're hard to to get your hands on, but 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 the ability to go train on something like that seems seems priceless. Um, you know, it gets my gets my brain kind of just moving every time I see those things getting shot at. Um, you know, and how how to how to change the way you think about movers rather than using your kestrel to time it and uh you know figure figure out uh that stuff but uh we'll, we'll talk about i have i have this idea for movers that um well it's probably not worth talking about on the on, on this recording and stuff like that but um so when the next ones roll around is there going to be like a, a sign up or an application process that people could look forward to and and do you have one on the calendar no we're like i said this is kind of in its infancy this is sort of where we're we're our mind is is focused on how to you know where to put this together i would imagine that once we figure that out and get uh sort of the match series and the particulars defined for the match we'll probably use the legion sniper challenge uh, instagram account or maybe the website to link to that. We, we don't want to uh, cannibalize the name of the Legion Team Sniper Challenge. I think that's going to be its own separate entity that's going to be at the, the 51 range complex at Fort Campbell and, and to support uh, Chapter 38. I think that the other series that we're going to move forward with is going to be under a different name. And uh, yeah, a lot of the, the particulars are still forthcoming but i i would say look to the legion uh team sniper challenge instagram page for notification of when that uh when we figure all that stuff out yeah i mean that sort of thing yeah and that's totally understandable um you know i think you know life is this kind of moving target anyway so but but i I do think having somewhere that they could follow and if people are following it seems like instagram is a big kind of hub for, for communicating that stuff, uh, you know, Facebook sometimes, but, but, but Instagram things are dynamic and people kind of just snap, look at that stuff. And then I have access mm-hmm. to s- some videos of your stages and, and I'd be, I'd be psyched if I, if I could post some of those on, on YouTube and, and um, Instagram just as, as, as ability to say like, would you be interested in, in shooting this kind of stuff? Then follow the Legion, Instagram account for more information. I'm going to go back to a question that I asked, but, but kind of rephrase it in a different way that, that, um, that, that circulates. And it sometimes it could be interpreted as a little bit negative. I, I think of it as a total positive, but mm-hmm. the idea that people are interested in competitive shooting, it, it, there's a variety of reasons and it depends on the person's, own motivations and intentions but why why are field competitions like this with stressors like the ones you guys offer like what does that offer an individual or a team what why would it make them better and, and why does it provide an important important outlet for those people as as shooters compared to other other offerings Hey, I wanted to talk to you guys about a partner, and that partner is Cobalt Kinetics. If you go to Cobalt Kinetics and look, they have got precision 
and competition carbines. And I want you to look through their offerings. They are the carbine that I've been competing with for the last couple of years. And every competition that I've gone to with their 223 that I compete with, I've left with a trophy. Every single one, which I think is pretty impressive. So an affordable, well-built, well-designed gas gun. And I can tell you that it has worked for me and it doesn't break the bank. I'm going to have more to say about them as they have products rolling out. But I wanted to start off with that so that you understand that I have intimate experience with their systems and their systems perform at a level that can win trophies. So check them out. Cobalt Kinetics. Matt, you want to take a stab at that one? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for people to always want to push themselves um, mentally, physically, any, every way. And for the competitive shooter that's out there looking to push themselves, um, get out of their comfort zone. That's big. one of the biggest things we always try to train at the range is if you're comfortable at what you're doing, find a way to make it uncomfortable so that you can train it. Um, so this definitely will pull a lot of really good shooters out of their comfort zones. It'll make you better. It'll make your communication with your partner better, especially if you guys shoot together a lot and do a lot of different styles of field matches. This will definitely test that. Um, it'll show you what you can work on, what you can do better. Um, as long as you, you know, take it that way and don't just get angry with the stage. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think uh, if anybody's out there really looking to try something new, something totally different than what's out there, push yourselves, make make your team better, make your communication better. That's the that's the kind of match that we're offering. So, so I'm answer. thinking of. Hang on a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for sure, a second because yeah yeah because um, because because I like I like what Matt said. I also want to jump in where where I could kind of imagine butt butts and. The, the butt that I imagine is you described a, a stage where you're given a stage brief or you're given information and then they go do something and then it turns out that that information was false. Can you, can you describe like um, how a team got flustered but then came out successful at the match, you know, without giving too many specifics? Like how were they delivered bad information? How did they realize the information was yep. bad, solve the problem and then come out successful? and then maybe go from mad to happy. Yeah. Um, in a way, I could, in a way. I could yeah. tackle one of the, one of these is called partner force. And basically you're sitting down or you're reading a brief. It's like, you're sitting down with an elder from a village. Um, and you do certain things to upset him, uh, inside of the brief. Won't get too far into it, but you do the things to upset him. He ends up giving you false intel because you made him upset. Um, so people that have been in the, in a situation where they can understand cultural dynamics where you might have upset another man, they probably pick up that, okay, maybe something's wrong here. Other people, they just kind of blow right by it and go continue reading. It says all of your targets are indicated in orange tape. Most people just see orange. So most of our targets we were indicating with like either pool noodles or some type of streamer or whatnot to uh, give them their color downrange. So they knew what they were keying in on. So uh, all of the targets were indicated in orange tape. Well, they go out there and right there, uh, there's a pistol target. 
it had orange on the base. It was an orange pool noodle. So most guys are shooting this pistol target, not hearing anything from ROs. ROs are calling impacts or everything, not hearing any impacts. So like, okay, well, what's going on here? Well, some guys just like, well, whatever, let's just start shooting targets until we hear impact and they'll put two and two together. So that was a really good team. That was their kind of method. He was like, well, let's shoot this pistol target. Boom. Gets an impact when he hit green. Okay. Well, that one was green. Let's try to shoot the other targets. Well, inside of the room, um, kind of in a, in an area where, uh, your eye doesn't attract right to it. most eyes, most guys go straight to the windows, looking out downrange. So they kind of bypass and on the wall right next to you in orange tape, it says all of your targets are green. Um, so it was written in orange tape. It was up on the wall. Some guys walked in who have really good situational awareness. I think it was only one or two teams immediately scanned the room before they started doing anything. I know the Rangers were one of them scanned the room, saw the orange tape. We're like, Hey, check it out. All of our targets are green. And they crushed the entire stage in a minute and a half. Like they were just lightning fast because they picked up on it that far. Some guys walked in, shot the orange targets for a little bit, took a step back. We're like, okay, what are we missing? What was in the stage brief? And they're scanning the room. Then they find it and then go through the stage. So there's, you know, different people found it at different times and other people didn't see it at all and picked up on it just by shooting the other targets in the field. And there was a lot of teams who just sat there really confused for five minutes and they timed out. Um, but at the end, you know, the ROs would kind of point out like indicated in orange tape and would point towards the orange tape and, um, you know, mixed reactions after that one. <laughs> right right i can imagine um, <laughs> but i do think that that's awesome because it, it provides people with the idea that okay they got bad information but then the information was right there so it wasn't it wasn't an issue of well I'm, you know it, it, afterwards everybody would admit that it was obvious right right exactly but nobody afterwards said that like well that was impossible to see. it's not like we wrote it and tiny little chicken scratch out at 20 yards or something like that. It was big and bold letters in the room. But yeah, you know, it kind of trains that be situationally aware when you're, especially when you enter a building that you've never been in. Um, that's kind of the, one of the training aspects that we are always looking for. No, that, that, that's perfect. We, we had All another right, stage where, Oh, it's, I was going to say, um, we have one other stage where you weren't given all of the information, you know, the brief indicated you have to find uh, three pieces to a puzzle. And on, on one of the big uh, shooting towers, it's just kind of like a labyrinth. There was a bunch of uh, rooms that we could compose into certain scenes and certain, you know, themes within a room. And, and um, so the competitors had to race up there, find all the puzzle pieces. And like one of the rooms, uh, had some scenery. <laughs> I won't go into detail on what that scenery is, but it was meant to be completely bewildering once you opened, you know, uh, went into that room. Um, so you kind of had this like shock of like, what the hell am I looking at? And then another room, we, we uh, put um, pepper spray on a, a tarp and they had to kind of sift through that and you know, hold their breath or just breathe it in and, and suffer through that. And, uh, another room had you know, smoke and lights and just, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, bewildering, distracting, uh, distracting uh, elements to it, which is a lot of fun for guys. So, yeah, a lot of our stages were similar to that, where there was um, to just some, you know, fun, interesting, new and novel ways to provide information to the competitors uh, so that they could approach a stage. Uh, the point I was going to make earlier, you, you asked a really good question: of why is this important? And, and I wanted to, uh, I guess, answer that by uh, analogizing our match to. 
like a marathon, you know, when you, when you run a half marathon or a 5k or 10k, whatever, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of boring. It's just a, a running uh, event. Whereas now, you know, they've got the muddy, the t- what is it? Tough mutters and the muddy buddies and all these like hardcore uh, races where you're jumping over obstacles, jumping through, you know, different things, climbing over and under barbed wire, um, humping logs. Like pe- people kind of want to, it seems like mix it up a little bit and and do a skill or perform a skill uh, under different conditions. So I, I think that's another, I guess, way of, of you know, uh, telling everybody, you know, what, why is this interesting? Why is it, you know, how do you distinguish it from any other long range match? Thank you. Thank you. I think that that's, that's a good comparison. I think, you know, that, that definitely is the kind of stuff that, that I'm attracted to. You know, yeah. I, I don't want it just to be me telling people that's why I'm kind of trying to suck these answers out of you guys. Um, for, like, yeah, I guess that doesn't sound right. I'm going to go back to the stage that you described with trying to find the pieces of the puzzle because um the 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 kind of part of that that didn't get answered was how obvious the puzzle pieces may have been and what they look like um, oh sure and, and and so so the people aren't like okay well i'm running through all these distractions and being exposed to scenery and and pepper spray and and light um but 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 the reality of it is that those were distractions to something that was probably more obvious um, is that is that a fair assumption that's spot on. Yeah. The, the brief said they were wooden puzzle pieces. We really didn't have any other, you know, wooden apparatus in the room other than like a, maybe a table or chairs or something like that. It was, it was pretty obvious, but we had teams that were like picking up, you know, pieces of paper. Like, is this, is this the puzzle place? You know, it just completely ignored the the wooden aspect of it. And yeah, if, if under ideal circumstances, you'd walk in and, immediately recognize like, Hey, this is a puzzle piece. It's, it's very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're presented with those kind of conditions, like, <laughs> you know, your first, your mind's going to what the hell am I looking at? And you know, you, you just get distracted. So it was oh, fun to sure, see sure. Uh, teams struggle with that. And, you know, even if you had like just a, a miserable performance on the stage, every team, the feedback was like, Oh my God, that was hilarious. That was so fun and just funny as hell. Right. And in retrospect, the puzzle pieces were obvious. So the stage was solvable despite the distractions and, and, and stuff yep. like that. Right. Yep, exactly. That, that, that's cool. I, I just, I just want to like over emphasize the people that are afraid because some people are afraid to go to competitions and not do well. And, and I think that's not, that's not a good mindset to have going into these field matches in the first place. But on the other hand, you know, you're competitive and, you know, I remember going to the first sniper adventure challenge and I'd never competitively shot a a rifle at all. And and I'd been trained up by, by these guys and my, my partner and, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're cruising up, not knowing what to expect, but obviously knowing, well, whatever it is, we're going to try our hardest. And then, um, you know, then you're kind of hit w- with the reality of, holy shit, like some of this stuff we can't do and some of this stuff we can do. And we realize like, okay, well, the stuff we can't do, we have to decide if it's worth trying or not. And then the stuff that we can do, we got to do it as best we can and, and keep motoring on. And and, and um, as, as fatigue wore in, you know, being able to make the decisions of what was worth 
doing and what was worth skipping while finding land navigation points, it became increasingly difficult. And, um, you know, I think, but, but that everybody kind of knows, like, you know, you go try your best and at the end they add up all the points, but you have no idea what's happening because for 48 hours, you're just kind of trying to solve as many problems as possible. Um, going in and saying like, we're going to try our best and not get, not get overwhelmed. Um, it sounds pretty easy until you're actually doing it. And then it's really easy to miss obvious things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember at a, uh, Sniper Adventure Challenge, they said, okay, like we're going to go into the shoot house with airsoft guns and you're going to have to find the hostage. And if you shoot a no shoot, you're, you're out. You can get shot by, by the as many times as you want, but you just can't shoot a no shoot. You've got to get to the hostage and rescue it. You know? And, it, and it, we, we bust in and it's dark and you can't see anything. And people are shooting you with airsoft and, and it kind of dawned on me like, the only disqualifier is if I shoot the wrong person, but I can get shot as many times as I want. So I just put my gun away and went to the hostage. But <laughs> afterwards it looked like I had chicken pox cause I was in running shorts. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I was, I was completely riddled with airsoft. Um, but I don't, I don't know why I had that kind of moment of, awareness but oh shit i don't i don't have to shoot like i just have to stuck up getting shot and we'll get through this um but a lot of teams went in there and in the confusion and lights or darkness and 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 you know shot no shoots um thinking they had to go in and just blast everything um and then people were frustrated like what i didn't have to shoot at all and and uh but but those kinds of decision making skills in the moment can be challenging, you know, and that, that was one that worked in my favor, but there's definitely plenty that did not work in my favor. Uh, but I, I, I like, I like that because, you know, the rules are pretty clear. The solution is pretty clear if the rules aren't and, and, uh, sometimes it gets you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and, and, and I think that's a good test of life right like the adventure races or the tough mutters it's like okay well now you got to jump in some ice cold water and it's like well sometimes you got to do something you don't want to do like this isn't going to hurt you you just don't yeah. like it and 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 you you have a goal or an objective and you do whatever whatever's required to get there and if you plan on shooting a rifle well you know sometimes you're going to be tired when you have to do it or cold or yeah understand how to set up a a shooting position or communicate. And uh, if you haven't tested that, you don't know how you respond. And I think that's really dangerous for people to have a skill set that's high enough where they have confidence, but that confidence is in isolation and it's not tested against reality. And, you know, sometimes when I think about high level, um, you know, precision shooters, how, how you could, say like, well, well, you know, I could shoot a one MOA target, no problem to a thousand yards, uh, you know, on paper with wind flags and ciders. And, and then all of a sudden you think like, well, okay, well, well, that doesn't mean much, you know, in a hunting context or a self-defense context or, uh, can you even find something to hunt context or are you cold, tired and hungry? And, and, and then, and then all of a sudden it snowballs into, well, that doesn't do me much good if I don't have 
the hundred other skills required. And, and, it, and it's the field matches that really reintroduce the skills that are required to actually be functional outside of the range. And, 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 and so it's fun to hear about. And, and that's how I encourage personally people to do these matches. It's not that they can't shoot well, but, but, it, but it's saying like, but, but can you under these conditions, you, you really don't know till you actually go through it. And that produces a brotherhood like, like you guys are producing now with the people that have been through the Legion, this first 35 teams that came through there, they're kind of bonded in a way regardless of how they placed because they got through it. And I think that's what you see at competition dynamics matches yeah. uh, that, that I hope, you know, you, you kind of get some of that too is when you go to a CD match, like at the at blue steel at sight in day, you know, there's a hundred people there that are good friends and they're telling stories about the year and they're bonding and nobody's saying, Oh, they won or, Oh, they came in last place or they came in, you know, 30th or nobody gives a shit. It's just, holy fuck, like this is so amazing. And, 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 and last year was so amazing. And, and this year is going to be even better. And, you know, and, 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 and at the end of the day, everybody leaves psyched and everybody leaves like they learned something and they bonded with, you know, the other hundred or so people that are there. Uh, that, that's pretty unique to a shooting event. And, and, and it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are procuring. Yeah, no, you're spot on. I mean, that's, um, that's how my, Matt and I have met is through, you know, approaching competitions like that and, and, and speaking out, um, you know, uh, tests of our skill set against reality. I, I forget how you phrased it, but it, but it really uh, resonated with me. You know, you're, you're basically testing your skill set against the stresses of reality. And, and that's sort of what this thing's all about. And, and further on that, you know, from a mindset standpoint, and we even touched on this uh, in the match pre, uh, preface that we, we spoke to competitors about, like the best teams are going to have the mindset um, where they just roll with the punches. Like, oh, okay, this, this curveball smacked me. Okay, hey, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Whereas other, other teams that didn't fare so well, um, either out of stage or in the competition itself, allowed the curveball to really get in their head, <laughs> which is, you know, funny uh, and fun to see from the outside looking in, but like the, the mindset that you adopt going into these things are, are going to be what allows you to uh, achieve success. Mm -hmm. And seeing somebody do better than you, I think is, is, um, you know, I think a lot of people do learn like that. Like you go out with somebody and they have a higher level of tolerance for something. And, and you think like, man, there's no way I can do this. But you see them go through it despite seeing that they might be worse off than you. And you think, holy fuck, like I got to level up. And I like to love, you know, and, and, and using teammates and also other teams as kind of friendly examples of you can do more than you think. Absolutely. You got to believe in yourself. Um, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, it, and, and, the, the soft community, I think is a good, um, good, just good example of, of, of that. It's kind of weeded out guys that are willing to do that and see past like, man, I'm really sucking, but we're going to keep, we're going to keep going. Um, and, 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 and solve these problems. And so using, using them as, as, um, kind of role models and being able to watch how they solve problems, could be an amazing opportunity for a team that hasn't been exposed to that 
of, well, you know, how, how are they tolerating this? And then you could ask them like, man, you know, all that music was distracting or there was, you know, whatever, naked men on the wall. And I can't help but just love to look at naked men on the wall. So, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't focus on shooting cause I was really turned on and, and like, how do you shut that out of your mind? And, um, and, you know, they could say like, Oh, look, you know, this is from my experience being naked and hosed down and ridiculed and whatever. And this got me through it without, you know, getting a boner and looking at other naked men and, Right. You know, and then, and then, and then, and they say, well, shit, they, they got through it so I can get through it. And then next year they're better. Um, I think that, that we're kind of missing that in a lot of life nowadays. I mean, first of all, people are afraid to speak about anything, you know, and, and, and then secondly, you know, that, that, that mentorship is, is pretty hard to come by unless you're already in it, in stuff like that. But I, I do think that there's plenty of people out there looking for those opportunities to, be alongside and have that kind of mentorship and guidance um, and, and get examples of how to overcome some of that stuff. I mean, you, you see it here and there, um, but it, it's, it's, it's things like this. I think that, that like you said, like, look, if there, if there's teams from third group and fifth group, seventh group, 10th group, first group, and, and they're solving these problems differently. And then there's civilian teams saying, gosh, how did you do this? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I ran into a situation like this somewhere. And, you know, I, I started to develop this skill set that allowed me to solve that problem. Now they have that example from somebody that they could kind of use as a, as a mentor opportunity to kind of talk through. Uh, talk yeah, through absolutely. That, which I think is, and vice versa, like some of the uh, positional stuff, you know, like, watching some of the like more pro guys out there kind of like there was a lot of young SF dudes out there like taking mentorship from some of the really good SIP teams out there too. So it's, it's definitely super fun to watch the dynamic between dealing with stressors versus dealing with, you know, more positional stuff or you name it, just the, you know, the camaraderie, uh, like we were saying, putting, putting the guys in groups together and just watching that take place the entire weekend, you know, people that would probably never meet, or cross paths anywhere else in life, but they happen to go to some crazy shit that me and Adam decided to put on. Um, it's just cool to watch uh, mm-hmm. that dynamic of it. Right, right, and and I do think that that like the draw for the guys that are you know working shooters because it's a benefit match charity, and you guys are donating all the proceeds to a cause that you you basically live for, which is supporting the families of your families. Um, you know, that, that's pretty hard to not give you extra motivation and extra pride in, in, in kind of trying to be a bigger, better person because, you know, a lot of those folks are connected to people that, that can't be there, but would and, right. and, uh, and, and, and probably should. So, so I think that, um, the charity element of this you know, not only should be better motivation, but, but also, kind of an awesome example of, of, um, of leadership from you guys. And, uh, and you know, I think that, that in itself is worthwhile paying attention to. So, so the, the, I was, I'm going to talk to Sean, uh, Murphy, you know, one of the guys that, that was in a team that won about the match also, but, um, you know, what, what were some skill sets that they had that really stood out to you guys that, that people might, use as takeaways of things to to learn and work on themselves 
honestly, we tried to tailor a lot of this as to ways that we could screw with Sean and Greg. Um, yes, we did. And <laughs> it turns out they did pretty darn good. Um, but I'd say their, um, their communication, the way that they are able to sift through a brief and ask the right questions um, and what really pertains. And um, because everybody had the same exact amount of time. So you had five minutes to read the brief, analyze it, and then you got exactly 60 seconds to ask questions. And I think the way that they're able to break a brief down in that five minutes and the way the types of questions that they ask to get to the best understanding as possible and, you know, the fastest way to score, um, that's what really separates them from anyone. And almost I've probably run 15 matches with those guys. And um, I think that's what kind of separates them every single time. So communication. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's good to hear. And, and from the leadership, looking down at a team or not looking down on a team, but, but looking at watching, observing and assessing a team, you know, if, 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 if that's what you guys see, I mean, that, that, and you develop the stages, you understand what was required and they were able to break that down. It's cool to hear that communication was the top feature of the winning team because a lot of people would say, well, what guns did they have? Or how was, you know, how fast was their load? Or did, you know, what, what was the BC of their bullets? And it's like, man, that's not what stood out to you guys. And I, and I think that's, that's really Greg specifically came out there and ran a, an MRAD because every military team has MRADs. So that's why he came out with an MRAD. He was like, I'm not shooting anything that these guys don't have. So uh, I think a lot yeah. of the guys, um, you can go out there with a gun that just shoots one MOA and be very competitive with those best teams just as long as you you have a good game plan, communicate, ask right questions. You'll go out there and, and crush, really. I want to punctuate what Matt says. You know, when, when they look at a, a piece of information, they can, they can sift through that by, by what you're, you know, by what the brief says, but also with what it doesn't say. So they just have a very clever way of, of looking at a stage brief or, or elements or pieces of information and just, you know, coming up with new and novel ways to arrive at a more effective strategy than most other teams. Uh, communication is obviously a big part of that, but like, I, I don't know how they arrive at some of their strategies, um, but they do. And it's based on experience, I think, and, and just they're, they're clever guys uh, and they, they can very easily think their way through a lot of things that uh, would, you know, confuse or, or, you know, most of us regular guys, you know, average shooters would say, Oh, okay, well, you know, it's, it's written like this. Well, I'm just going to do this. And and they, you know, right. kind of uh, look at it and say, well, you, you didn't tell me I couldn't do this, you know, or, or you didn't tell me I couldn't shoot from over here, you know, so they, they're just very, very clever uh, in how they approach yeah. things. And and okay, it's like to be like overly repetitive, like why is that a fun, why is that one of the most important skills for for a shooter? I think it's getting getting outside of the box, getting outside of the comfort zone um, for shooters or for really anything in life, but not just uh, not just doing what it's told, but being able to be a little bit more analytical um, and think outside of what's just being given to you. Um, yeah, I'd say that watching them over the years, that's, 
what they do better than anyone, not to mention they're, you know, freaking phenomenal shooters. But, mm-hmm. but. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, but 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 I do think it, it's important to like reiterate the fact that that you know, yeah, they're good shooters. Yes, they. But but also like they understand the importance of events like this because they do all the field matches. They're good at all the styles of shooting, and they kind of explore all those fields of shooting. But but I think that that being able to say, okay, look, this is an important skill set to maintain. They work in the industry. They don't have to, but but they keep those skills sharp because they're fundamental to being riflemen regardless. And then they could interact with and learn from all the people that they interact with and learn from. I think that, that there's just so much more in shooting that, that events like this offer that, that I'm super, super psyched. Um, and it's fun to have you guys on and hear about <clears throat> the design and the importance of, of expanding and uh, growing this type of event. Like, and I'm, I'm psyched to be able to at least put this out for you guys. Uh, you know, it usually gets, I don't know, 15,000 downloads, like in the first couple of weeks. So it'll get, it'll, it'll get yeah, some yeah. exposure, but hopefully we'll continue to um, kind of bump information out and, and kind of show people examples of, you know, what, it, what does a event like this look like from a stage perspective? Because, you know, I think, I think that having all the skills in the time of the stage is, is something that, that would be really cool to see more of so i'm glad you guys are doing this selfishly yeah we're excited to be doing it and and you got to come out and uh, shoot the next one for sure this is your kind of match yeah i'm super psyched i just got to get a green light from the dock and and once my i mean i have technically five weeks until i'm cleared to to lift more than 20 pounds and that's like basically right at the time of birth so so um and I'd basically be coming off of six months of being sedentary and jumping in, hopefully jumping in to, to, to birth. And then hopefully from there, I won't need to be uh, screwed together, you know, for a couple of years, <laughs> you know, Rock and, 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 yeah. and add, uh, add your, add your match to the mix. Oh yeah. Um, are you guys going to be at birth this year? Yeah. I'll be yeah, at birth. Mm-hmm. Different partners. Well, Matt Matt can handle me as a partner. <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, that's badass. I don't know if Bill and those guys are going to make it just because of cycles, but um, but I'll be there. I mean, either way, I'll be there. I just you know, if, if I have to walk the course and carry less, then I'll just fucking walk it. And I just want to be there and be, if my green light turns on. Um, yeah. I just want to, I just want to get out there and, and do something. Cause I haven't done a match since, um, October. So yeah, you're overdue. Uh, it's a fun, awesome. match. Yeah, great, great, uh, crew of competitors too. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And I'll, I'll, so, so I'll see you guys out there. And if you come to town early, hit me up. I'm, I'm just like, um, I guess probably three hours. I live three hours South of, of, of where they hold the match. In Colorado, oh, so nice. if you fly into Colorado and you come in, you know, early, we could hit up a, a range. Or if you guys need to do any kind of flat range stuff, um, there's ranges around here I have access to. So, um, yeah. well, I think you answered all the questions. And before we um, get too distracted by um, side side conversations, you know, I want to kind of just wrap up the 
the Legion thing and kind of um, restate your website, your Instagram, and the name of the charity so that people want to look it up and contribute to it regardless of whether they actually go to the match or not, uh, they can help that out because, um, and then Matt, would you just kind of describe the, the people that it's helping out and, you know, why, why that's important to you in your community so that if people that are listening that want to donate to a charity that, you know, this is one of those charities that, um, is, is, is worth it and, and should be supported more yeah. no matter what. Um, so the overall, uh, charity is called the special forces association and they have different chapters for different areas. So for fifth group, our specific chapter is chapter 38 and that's who, um, naturally legion running gun would represent um and so based off the legion running gun and how well they did we developed the legion team sniper challenge this year um and those guys are a true nonprofit. every dollar that goes in there um is going directly to support current uh fifth group guys and their families or um our gold star families so they put on a big gold star event every year um hosted there at at the fifth group headquarters in Gabriel field. Um, they take families to dinner. They'll put them up in hotels. It's basically like a, a time for everybody to kind of share and, um, and mourning, grieving. And, um, but also, um, you know, putting names to faces, meeting other families. And it's, a, it's really just a, a really cool event. They do annually, um, outside of just the event, they'll, um, they'll cover costs for, um, just recently had a, a buddy die up in Alaska and uh, chapter 38 went out of pocket to fly a bunch of his friends up there um, so they can attend the funeral, be there for the family. Um, when, like my personal example, uh, I won't share too much, but uh, my wife got sick in 2017. Um, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and things got tight. She couldn't work. So um, it was just a huge income shift for our family where we were. And uh, out of nowhere, I started receiving uh, $500 checks from the chapter uh, to support with food, diapers, and everything that our family needed. So it was just, you know, not asked for. No, somebody just had mentioned it to them, and they went out of their way to to help us in our time of need. Uh, and they do stuff like that for family, just super low key um, that you would never know about. They're not asking for any recognition. They're uh, just you know world world class organization um, that helps. Uh, quiet professionals in a quiet way. So I think it kind of hits home with a lot of people that are looking to, you know, not just put their money through an organization that's big banners everywhere and all over online, but one that really gives straight back to the families of, of people who need it at the time. Um, they're a good organization. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's tough. I think, um, you know, for, for, from what I know of, of, um, you know, a lot of this is, is, is you, you, you're right. Right. It, the, the, the quiet professional aspect and, and, and they don't solicit, they don't say so. So also the exposure is limited. And, and I think it's amazing that you guys are looking out for each other. Somebody says, Hey, these guys need a hand and it's done, but also like, you know, being able to, to, you know, this is unsolicited a hundred percent. It's just me saying, gosh, my listeners probably have never heard of this organization. They probably have no idea 
what it's doing and supporting. So, you know, every dollar is going to help somebody that didn't ask for it, but their community knows them intimately and is extending that. I mean, I, you know, that it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Right? It's a, uh, and, and it's a special group of people for sure. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think that, that that's really cool. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully this helps motivate some people to, to, to get involved or pay attention to, to, to doing that because, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, shit, life's hard. And, and, and guys that don't, don't like to ask for help, that doesn't mean they don't, they don't need it or they can't, or, or they're not there to help anymore and their families still need it. And having guys looking out for each other and their families, no matter what is, is, is something that, that you guys do best. Um, but most people have never heard of a lot of these organizations because they don't have big banners and they don't have advertising campaigns and, and, um, uh, you know, so, so, yeah, so, so it's kind of a, there's a, there's a few of us trying to bring them into the, the 21st century. Um, <laughs> talk to them, especially after this event, you know, they're most of them are older, retired, been out for a long time. Um, you know, are always doing things, lean forward, find different ways of doing it. But, um, we're looking at kind of updating the website, um, trying to trying to get them to go on some type of social media. But we'll we'll see what happens with them. Um, but yeah, there's a few of us really working to uh, get the word out here in the next in the next couple of months for sure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you guys on, and um, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in in five weeks and uh, yep. getting off my butt and making some noise. Yeah. Look, yeah. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, man. That's great. Yeah. Anytime. And, and, and uh, maybe I'll follow up as, as, uh, the next dates and, and information comes out, we'll, we'll just jump back on and, and, and keep talking about that. And, and then yeah, I'd love, love to just do a, a separate uh, podcast. Like Matt, if you're, if you're ever willing to talk about <clears throat> like, um, something more focused on fundamental, shooting and fundamental impacts of positions and environmental elements that you've seen as a, as an instructor and a, and a, and a sniper. Um, I'd, I'd love to get on and just pick your brain about things that you've seen for pointed backs, you know, different equipment, different techniques to solve problems. You know, that, that, that tends to be the primary focus of this podcast and everything hey, that I publish. That'd be a blast and do. So it'd be, it'd be fun to kind of pick your brain and, and chat and, and Bill, Bill, uh, great text. He's been on and, and I'm, you know, you put, you guys probably know each other. I know Adam knows Bill pretty well. And, and yeah. you know, I'm always talking to guys that shoot about, you know, things that you've seen and, and sometimes you're limited with your equipment, of, you know, what's, what's been issued. So what are, how do you solve those problems and how do you get around, um, things that you've seen? I, I would love to hear about, some of that stuff, if you're, if you're willing to talk about it on a future yeah. podcast about that specifically. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to keep most of the, um, too much of the work stuff in the dark, but talking positional and what you do to compensate for that. No problem at all. That'd be a blast. Yeah. I don't care about tactics and proceed like none of that shit. Like I, I'm like, you know, guns, positions, fundamentals, and, and point of impact shifts. Like, yeah. 
that's to me I'm, I'm obsessed with that stuff heck yeah um you know so uh sick well we'll we'll try to get that lined up sometime here in the next month or two yeah man that'd be awesome sick well thank you guys i'm gonna take off and uh have a good rest of your day i'll probably get this up in the next maybe 48 hours and oh, man. Uh, i'll shoot adam a link and um i'll talk to you guys soon okay oh, yeah. thanks, thanks chris good chatting yeah Heck yeah. Thanks for coming on. See you down at Burris. We'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be in touch. I'm sure before Burris, we'll have to, uh, for sure, knock back a few Steve Weisers. Okie dokie. Knock shop. All right, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Love it. All right, guys. See you, buddy. Right, bye. Later. One of my big projects and goals is to experiment, play with, and compete in the air gun phenomena that seems to be coming out but has been around for a long time utah air guns is at the center of that they bring in high-end specialty air gun components they bring in rifle components and they custom build people high performance air rifles air guns uh, often are divisions or used in like rimfire type competitions but they also have standalone competitions I believe that when it comes to training certain elements of all rifle shooting that have to do with fundamentals, the air rifle is the ultimate system to do that. So I'm going to be having podcasts and discussions and data unfolding about the use and benefits of air rifles for those specific components and also discuss how they might not help with other components, right? Which makes sense. If you're going to shoot a 338. Air rifle may help with some of that, and it might not help with other parts. But I think that Utah Air Rifles is leading the charge. And so I have ordered an air rifle to have in our classes for craft studies, for measurements, and for data. And I want to encourage you guys to look into their systems and reach out to Utah Air Guns. Follow them on Instagram and follow us. It will not only be on this podcast, but also on Sniper's Hide. There's a new air gun section, an entire section devoted to air rifles and what people are doing and unfolding so that we can kind of hive mind and source data and then send you back to a shop that can put together a system for you that performs at the level that you needed to perform at, period. So until I have more to say, uh, go check them out. And hit up Sniper's Hide, check out the thread, and stay tuned for episodes revolving around or including data from the rifles that the guys at Utah Air Guns put together for us. This is where I jump in to say that if you go to riflecraft.com and get a subscription, you get added metrics to your profile on the website which can help you get better, more accurate information about your shooting that you could use to propel your training and understanding of your shooting forward. You get emails, subcoms, emails with training targets, ideas, and uh, product discounts as they come about. And you get access to another podcast just like this called The Subcast, where I continue to ask experts and talk about details just like the Riflecraft 
straight dope podcast, but there's more of it. So you get double the content. I try to be much more specific. So um, you're just going to have to subscribe if you want more. And don't if you don't. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there and they all cover the same topics. I've got my own style. If you like my style and you want more of it, that's a really good way to do it. You don't have to, but it sure helps promote and ensure that this podcast continues to operate the way it does. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. More content, more interviews, more specifics, more ideas for your training, and you're supporting it all as a subscriber with the benefits that come from it. So go check it out at riflecraft.com. Get a subscription and join the growing tribe of people who are trying to empower themselves by learning and experimenting and driving their skill and knowledge to the next level. Thank you.